I have no idea what we're doing for a cold open. So this is the cold open. <laughs> this is the cold open. <laughs> See here. Strong, strong <laughs> open. I love it. Great. We we said it a couple weeks ago. We'll we'll continue to say it. Professionalism just doesn't exist around here. No, absolutely. It, it is, at a certain point, uh, the reason I was so dead set on having the intro for Dairy Public Radio that we do is because I knew that if I did not have a scripted open, I it would get off the rails so fast and i'd never start talking about the thing i'm actually supposed to talk about right and we <laughs> like talking to banks yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's> <laughs> for sure. uh, and we also don't have a cm alexander to kick her ass on time either so right <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just herding cats around here but um, yeah so uh anybody since cm's me? not here the crow sucks right <laughs> god damn it the crow is oh amazing my god <laughs> Have you seen, I've never been horny for the crow, but Bill Skarsgård, like the set, the photos, I was like, all right, bud. Yeah. Oh, now you're going to make great. fucking look. Uh, I'll, <laughs> if How I tried to do it for this episode, <laughs> uh, I just don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I do. I'm excited for this. I, and I'm excited that for you. I'm excited that other people get to enjoy and hopefully enjoy uh, whatever's coming. And I, he's, and, and, and I, I just, he is currently my favorite of Stellan's children. So yeah, <laughs> you're lucky. Sam's not here for a comment like that. <laughs> oh, I, I know. Believe me, I know. <laughs> Look, I got nothing against him and he was really good in the Northmen, but I, Bill's just currently, he is just knocking everything out of the park. He's so fucking talented. It's, it's stupid. And once you see barbarian, you're, you're going <sighs> to, I still oh, watch that. So excited. He's so he's so good in it. Just like him being there kind of throws you off of a lot of things. Interesting. I need to I need to stop talking about this before yeah, I actually all start right. talking I'll about plot it. details. I'll save it. You gotta <laughs> go see it. All right. Well, what do you guys say we talk about a movie? Okay, okay let's talk it. about a movie. Hello, you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Work. I'm Jonathan Pierce. I'm Joshua Kahn. And we are your Oscar Grouches. And welcome back to the Oscaristy Podcast, show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history, trying to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, except that's not what we're doing this week. What are we watching this week, Jonathan? This week, we're watching Misery, a reminder that Kathy Bates is queen, and there's not enough respect coming out of y'all's damn mouth about it. Amen. Yeah, this is awesome. 100% correct. Also, I have I was watching a lot of Kathy Bates via American Horror Story, so very current Kathy Bates. Going back to watch Misery again, I was I forgot it, she had it going on. Yeah, like she's yeah. a not a bad looking lady by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no. we actually talked about this last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna probably be the running theme of all these horror episodes we're doing. Uh. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to jump into an Oscar breakdown. Oh, wait, no, hold on. No, I do the... Uh, is this everybody's first time seeing... Oh, absolutely not. No for me. <laughs> yep. 
Wow. It was your first time? That's this so exciting. Was my first time. Oh, wow. I'm yeah. so happy. Yep. Okay, first, before we get to that, Josh, do you remember your first time seeing Misery? Uh, my first time seeing Misery was for Dairy Public Radio. We covered the book, and then we covered the adaptation after. Uh, and it's still one of my all-time favorite uh, Stephen King adaptations. It also, I believe, we did a... Uh, a March Madness of adaptations, and I'm pretty sure Misery won, if I remember right. I, I think you're correct. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I I was doing kind of that same thing back in high school. I would watch, I would read Stephen King's novels and then watch the adaptations after I read them, uh, inspired by having done the reverse for The Shining. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, this was this was in the list along with like Needful Things and the the dark half and uh, the dead zone, which is a perfect book and movie. <laughs> if you've got all the time in the world and not a deadline, I bet that book is way better. If I'm being real honest, <laughs> uh, Jonathan, did, if, you, did you read the book misery? Um, oh, here it comes. <laughs> <clears throat> Jonathan doesn't know how to read. Yes. Jo- Jonathan knows how to read. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jonathan is not a fan of Stephen King novels. Oh, that's oh yeah, we have talked about this. Yeah. That's right. It, it's that Tolkien-esque over description that just bugs the crap mm. out of me. Yeah. That's why we had uh talked previously, um, or earlier about how I would like the skeleton crew to be a uh TV show because I liked the skeleton crew because it was mm. short stories. So you should uh, you should give um, everything's eventual or just after sunset a shot because both of those are excellent short story collections. By him. I love everything's nice. eventual. I haven't read just after sunset yet. Okay, now we're going to get into our Oscar breakdown. Misery was nominated for one Academy Award. That was Best Actress, which went to. Kathy Bates. Yes. Hell yes. So well deserved. Jesus Christ. And I agree. Um, and that is our <laughs> Can we just talk about her performance or like well, the deserving nature of that performance? Well, hold on. Jonathan's got a segue for us, real oh, quick. Oh, sorry. Let's talk about this movie. Now let's talk about this movie. Yes, Josh, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a format. I always <laughs> forget. I always forget. Professionalism. It, it exists right? some, somewhere. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> it, the performance that Kathy Bates puts on for this movie is so phenomenal because um, for those who went into this blind, like Jonathan, I'm sure you knew some of it via pop culture uh, a yeah, little of bit. Yeah. But I can only imagine going into this movie in theaters, having not read it, and uh, Kathy Bates playing the two sides of Annie Wilkes and seamlessly just flowing into, I'm super happy. I'm the best nurse. I'll take care of you. To, I'll cut off a limb and make you eat it. And she just does it so seamlessly. And she's somehow charming the entire time, the entire time, because Kathy Bates is a perfect representation of acting. Mm, She is a paragon. I I, I don't have no argument. (laughs) Yeah. 
I I dare you to name a bad performance. You could probably name a bad movie, but I dare you to name a bad performance. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'll say, like, as as a kid, when Kathy Bates would pop up in something, it it would just immediately make my day. Mm-hmm. Like when when uh, Stephen King and Mick Garris put her in the Stand miniseries. Yes, and she's got like two scenes in it, and she's on the radio for a couple other scenes, I believe. And the second, like. They showed Kathy Bates. I, I was probably like 12 when I watched that. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, and I mean, she yeah. she did a lot like James Caan doesn't, didn't get enough credit for his performance, I think, also, because pain acting is hard. And a lot of Paul Sheldon's experience is pain acting. Yeah. Sure. And, but and he brings man. he brings a real dry sense of humor to the film, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. The levity he adds to every scene mm-hmm. is incredible. I, I love the New York put in the Midwest that he does. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. Yes. Like, it's just, you're able to see the two different cultures. Like, I mean, even when you just talk about the whole, the, the characters, like she's very, you know, that uh, getting upset about swears mm-hmm. in the book where you're just like, yeah, that's how fucking people talk. <laughs> like, yeah, they sure do. Um, then she says, bitchly cow corn. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unnatural. I love it. Yeah. I, oh, man. This is going to be one of those mov- or one of those topics where, again, it's such a great movie. It, it's going to be hard to talk about how good this movie is. It's not going to be hard for me to talk about how awesome Kathy Bates is because <laughs> I... I cannot tell you how well anybody else in this movie did just because I feel like she overshadows everything. And she's, she's the linchpin for how the film works. Yeah. And it's, it's a thing I've always said is you live and die by your villain. Mm. And absolutely. You can't get on board with the villain. You're probably not going to have a good time watching anything. And the fact that she's just a fucking force to be wrecking with in this movie is beautiful. Yeah. Like um, the the unpredictability, like with the scene when she comes in with the the gun and just dry fires it in mm-hmm. the rain, and that scene is so fucking scary well, because just the you don't know what face. direction she's gonna go. Yeah, the, her face. Oh god, like that. Just like you see, like <clears throat> the the depression that's in her, and and you're just watching. Like it's it's almost like you're given a third one. You're almost given a third character there mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's just, she's completely shut down and it's just given up. And I'm just like, fuck, I love her so much. Um, and the I line and I lost. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, the line that destroys me is when she is, is in that scene. And she, when she says the, something that's akin to like someone like you will never know how much it hurts, like how much it would hurt to lose someone like you. If you're someone like me, right. She, to this point, has fucked his shit up. She has tortured him. She's in all this stuff. And yet you are still, like, clutching your invisible pearls at that line. Like, holy shit, that's so heartbreaking. I want to jump on the screen and say, Kathy Bates, I love you. You're, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like, why why do people keep trying to put you in frumpy characters? Because you're not. I love you. Mm. Yeah. Well, why don't me and you and your pig run away together? Right? <laughs> Uh, so Jonathan, this is, uh, something I'll, I'll kind of loop you in on. I think Paul and I have talked about this before. Uh, I proposed a theory in our coverage of misery that in my opinion is what makes misery the perfect adaptation. So in the book, it's much more violent. Some of the things she does, like she, at one point she cuts his thumb off and puts it on, on a candle 
or on a cake like a candle. Uh, she makes him, you know, drink a bucket of mop water. Uh, and instead of breaking his ankles, she cuts off one of his feet with a, and then uh, cauterizes it with a blowtorch. Sure. Uh, so it's it's so horrible. And in the end, much like at the end of the movie, when they say like, hey, would you ever write a, a nonfiction book about your experience? And in the book, the response he gives is something to the effect of, I can't because I'm a writer. And if I start writing the story, I would start exaggerating things. I'd turn her into this monster. I'd do all like it, it just it'd become this bigger thing. And then the movie being as toned down as it is with some of that violence and some of that insanity, my theory is the movie is how it actually happened. And the book is Paul Sheldon's book nice. of his experience. Very nice. I it's, like that. It works so well. It's so terrific. That, so that is now headcanon. Yes. Because um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, for a horror movie, it is very toned down. Mm. And I... And again, because I have not read the book, and I assumed that there was going to be some stuff omitted. I didn't know, you know, finger candles was going to be one of them. <laughs> um, but it almost felt like there were certain things that were inserted just for the sake of you to get more more crazy out of her. So like the dead babies. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I feel like it, that was, it, it, it felt it's... a little forced. Like, did you need it? Not so... really, but it did yeah. add more to how evil she actually is Mm -hmm. even though i would have loved a motivation for something like that well she's she's an angel of mercy killer like that's the um what so something that you find out in the book that's not really touched on in when he's looking through memory lane that scrapbook it's got yes at the end is all the like uh baby deaths but before that there are some like hospice deaths and some older people does and then uh, there's also articles in there um, about um, how her uh, her husband did disappeared. Yeah, and you know, and there's a there's a couple of a couple of hints toward her killing him. In this. Mm, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like the one where she's like, oh, I guess that's why I couldn't remember when they had me on the stand for the trial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's oh, like yeah. implied that she also like murdered her fan, like her family too. Yeah. It, it builds that. But yeah, that that angel of mercy attitude, and then to find out that you are in the home of that kind of killer and you are at her mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Just just amazing. I'm I'm tempted to read the book, but again, you, it just it's one of his shorter ones. I, is I it think is, you, yeah. I, I think you'd really get a get something out of this one. And again, it's not because something's long, it's just the over description. Again, well, it's that, that you that's kind of where I'm going with it. It's it's yeah. not like not packed with that. You are so going to have to. You are going to have to deal with one thing, and that's that. It's entirely from Paul's perspective. So you only you will never the cop character, not even in the book. The like all of those outside things, you are just seeing it trapped inside Paul's head, uh, and uh, those like the novel pills, the pain pills in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he becomes addicted to them. And Mm. so he's also going through drug withdrawals as well as all this pain. And so there's, there's a lot of layers, uh, complex layers in him, just like running his mind through 
all of this stuff. And yeah, it's a hundred percent a highly, highly recommend to read. And if you want, you can listen to Dairy Public Radio and read along with us. We'd say what chapters we're reading at the top of each episode. There you go. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, I do love a good audiobook. So I'll just listen to you guys. The audiobook I've heard is very, very good. Uh, I want to talk about Rob Reiner for a second. Because it's wild to me that Rob Reiner had one of the greatest runs in cinema. And we don't consider him one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah. Um when I see Rob Reiner, I don't see horror. And to get this out of it, you're like, did he just need to get something off his fucking chest? (laughs) You're right there, meathead. (laughs) Like, you good, bro? Well, I'm really, really bad with directors. So, okay. So if if you were to paint me a mosaic of what you would expect a Rob Reiner movie, what are those movies? And, Instead, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to oh. read you Rob Reiner's filmography <laughs> up to misery, which Got isn't okay. which isn't very long. He was mm-hmm, he sure. was an actor before this. Mm-hmm. So he starts in 1984 with This is Spinal Tap. Just Great. landmark mockumentary. Amazing. Re- retools the genre. And I mean, you can essentially say anything that's come after it is just is given the it's Spinal Tap, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, he does the sure thing, which is which is a fine romantic comedy. He follows that up with Stand by Me, which is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Mm-hmm. The first one, I, uh, again, it, it's very much in the that Amblin vein where Rob Reiner sets, "Hey, here's kids walking in the woods," and like great directors have cop pretty much that plot for decades now. He follows Stand By Me the very next year up with The Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot he directed The Princess Bride. Uh, perf- uh, yeah. And William Goldman, who wrote Misery, also wrote The Princess Bride. So didn't know that. Yeah. That's so, terrific. Wonderful, right? And then he follows up uh, what, one of the most perfect films, one of the great romances, with another one of the great romances, When Harry Mets Out. <laughs> Misery. I mean... Oh, go on. Oh, I, I mean, those are all really, all really human stories, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. I mean, maybe that does make him the perfect director for this because it, yeah. Annie, Annie is a, a, a full real person. She's not a movie monster. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. maybe the combination of his directing and Kathy Bates ability, I, maybe that's why Annie Wilkes is, such an iconic performance yeah could be and i mean with stand by me um king king specifically gave reiner the permission to make this movie Hmm. because he loves stand by me so much yeah because he he didn't want anyone to touch this because he was afraid they were just gonna fuck it up he was like i'm not getting stanley kubrick again (laughs) (laughs) and after Stand By Me, he's like, oh, well, if Rob Reiner's going to give him permission to do this, then of course he goes and names his production label after Castle Rock. <laughs> 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 so, uh, and then he follows Misery up with A Few Good Men, which is another oh my masterpiece God. of a film. Oh, that's uh, also an incredibly perfect movie. Yeah, so like for the for the first decade of his career, he just was on it god how is he not more celebrated 
Uh, it's because everything after that, except the American president, is yeah, it kind of goes downhill. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I listen to a podcast where they, they cover filmographies of directors. They're like, we really wanted to do Reiner at one point, but uh, after after 95, there's just no point in covering Reiner. It's just the saddest thing you've ever seen. Oh, no. <laughs> they should do this, do the episode as though the podcast came out in 1995. Yeah. Well, that solves yes. that every problem. <laughs> yeah. Finish with the American yeah. president. Like, oh, what a, what a charming film. <laughs> Can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, and, and I like how... Sorry, did you know Spinal Tap 2 is in pre-production right now? Spinal Tap 2 has been in pre-production for about the last, like, 15 years. So, 2024 release date, and looks like... Look, if they're going to do... Yeah, if they're going to do it, they need to do it soon before Michael McKeon kicks the bunch. Yeah. Not saying that he's, like, anywhere about to step off this mortal coil, but... He's you much closer know, to it than not at this point. Yeah, never know. Any day, but yeah, and I love how Hitchcockian this film is. I I like that it's it's really slow paced and all the rage is boiling underneath it, and uh, just Mark Shaman's doing his best Bernard Herman on this film. It <laughs> God, this is. <laughs> Like really the, the one scene where she's complaining about the, the curse words in the book and like as she starts ramping up and the strings start going, like I've seen this movie a few times and that still just made me nervous as shit. I was like, I even know she's not gonna do anything. I'm just nervous right now. <laughs> oh God. That's because Annie Wilkes makes you nervous anytime she's on screen. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But oh man. Yeah, the the it's such it's so well paced, especially because you you go into it not anticipating how long the story is going to be. Like, mm-hmm. how long is he going to be in this bedroom? And it's it's a very day by day for a while, and then it starts making those week long jumps, and right. it starts to settle in at like how routine this is, and it just the pace it just keeps you moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I enjoyed the little breaks out of there. I enjoyed mm. the sheriff, and I especially yes. enjoyed the sheriff and his wife. Richard oh, Farnsworth's so good in this. Like, it was pretty great. It was a little sad, though, because uh, I was sitting there and the wife was watching it for a little bit. And uh, she, like, she kept saying, like, Why do I know that woman? Referring to the uh, sheriff's wife. Uh, apparently, she's the mother in her, her mom's favorite show, The Closer. Okay. Oh, and her mother just passed away a few months oh. ago, and that was all she would watch for the last three years. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's like, do you really want to know where she's from? Right. Yeah. But, but uh, no, I. This is definitely a movie I, I see myself watching. It's I. It, it's sad that it took this long, and for a reason for me to watch it. It's one, especially with how much I do love Kathy Bates. I don't know why I've just been avoiding it. It's it's something kind of akin to when you guys made me watch Deer Hunter, and I was so grateful for that experience because after watching it, I felt the same way. I was like, why have I put off watching this movie? And I think sometimes it is that uh, <laughs> that societal pressure of yeah. like you know yeah. people who brag about never seeing an episode of Game of Thrones. Like I'm proud of you, I guess. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, I think sometimes, especially with those those movies that now that we look back on, we had like hold them on such a pedestal. Mm. It's scary to go back and you know try right. it. I mean, it, this is an iconic film. This is mm. one that I don't think is ever going to be forgotten, which means it's been hyped to hell. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and it, and it's parodied and spoofed and referenced mm-hmm. and what the ground and yep. it, it's hard to go back to something like that. But I mean, it lived up to the fucking hype. I'll I'll tell you that. Man, I'm so glad you liked it. I'm <laughs> yeah, so no, glad it was your, that it was your first time, man. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I, I wasn't I, worried about not liking it. I, I like I may not like Stephen King books. I, I enjoy a lot of the adaptations, and I definitely can't say all, but uh, <laughs> neither can I. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I will say that a lot of the adaptations I do enjoy. So, mm. um, and, and this is just again me not being much of a King reader. Is I've I've come to an understanding that a lot of these are kind of set in the same universe of his books. Is this within that or? Yeah, uh, there's actually some Easter eggs in the book. Uh, that uh paul sheldon is brought up has referenced in other books uh as the author of the misery books of course mm-hmm. and in the book annie wilkes mentions that they are close to they're actually close to the overlook they're close to sidewinder okay and leaves a, and then there's uh oh there's got to be something i know there's something else it's been so long since i've read it but yeah it's definitely uh an interconnected book they make sure to sure. have that info in there okay we're gonna pause now since paul's dropped sure thing did you hear that trav <laughs> pause for future edit no you'll have to if you if you give the audiobook a shot you'll have to let me know how you like for it sure yeah i got a lot of time to listen to stuff now i started working from home nice and uh I'm sitting here staring at my screen. I actually actually just recently started listening to the, uh, I don't know if you're into like fantasy books at all, but mm-hmm. uh, the uh, King Killer Chronicles for like the 12th time. So the, I'm not familiar. Oh, can you read them? Um, it's very much like, um, what if Game of Thrones was toned down a lot okay. and had a little bit of Earthsea mixed in? So okay. more magic and it's, it's and I, you know, I wouldn't even say Game of Thrones. I honestly, I would say, what if adult Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> because okay, it's like cool. the first, the very first book is a lot of like him learning the magic and how that works. But the way it uh, Patrick Rothfuss does it, it's very almost scientific, like, like almost al- alchemical in a way. Yeah. So oh, it's that's... it's very much like a the law of transference. Like, you know, in order for one thing, like if you need the energy to m- just move a coin with another coin, you have to have something that's able to equal that amount of properties. And if it's mm-hmm. not coming from that, it's coming from you. Ooh, hell yeah. And that's then it, I made me dig full metal alchemist. Yeah. So it's it's got a bit of that in there, and then it gets fucking dark and weird. And then there's it's like I said, it's got that Game of Thrones like political stuff in there hmm. when he uh kind of it's just this one guy's journey through life and how he's just this gifted kid who you start off the series like the first couple of chapters realizing that he fucked up pretty hard and the world is fucking paying for it oh fuck. so oh yeah, yeah definitely definitely check how it many out. 
Uh, well, there's two right now. Let me grab my shit so I can write this down. Yeah. Where are all my I post-its? Think you we're on if... year 14 waiting for the third book? What did you say? It's called The King Killer so Chronicles? The King Killer Chronicles is the name of the series. The first book is in uh, is The Name of the Wind. Nice. I'm currently... Uh, my goal for 2022 was to read as many non-King books as King books. Because I spent the last three years reading pretty much nothing but King. So uh, I'm currently... My, my wife and I are trading books. So she's not really a horror person, but I've had her reading Stephen King. She actually just read Misery and watched it with me. Nice. If you're looking um, for an interesting thriller book that I... I I've only seen a few people realize it. Um, the girls he adored by I heard of that. It's so good. It's about a guy with disassociative disassociative identity disorder. Um, but his personalities kind of are able to talk to each other. Oh God. Would you say the girls he loved the girls he adored? He adored. I think it's by Brian Lumley. I think I just, this, Past year, it's not. I didn't. Have, I need to. No, Jonathan Nassau, Brian Lumley. I think that's the Necroscope guy. I read. Have you watched uh, You on Netflix? Mm-mm. Oh fuck, it's very very good. Okay. Uh, but I read that there's three seasons out, and I've read and three books out, and my wife and I watched the whole series, and I just read the books, and the books are also very very good. It's a uh, a dude who is a, a just a, a sociopath, basically. Hmm. Who, well, like, I mean, technically, I mean, Moria. Oh, my wife got into that show. I remember yeah. her watching that. Okay. It's terrific writing. Fair enough. I just, every time I walked by while she was watching it, it just kind of had this weird, like, what if Fifty Shades was fucked up <laughs> look to it. So I was like, all right. I can see that. Yeah. It's. It's one of those things. It's an it's a show that makes you root for the villain, and I always find those very interesting. The way you can take somebody who you are literally watching him stalk, gaslight, and murder the people around this woman, mm. and still you're like, yeah, but I just want him to be happy. See, it's <laughs> like I love that, be- especially when you have a show like The Sopranos, where mm. you're rooting for the main character, and then they remind you that they're the villain. Yo. Like yeah. that's the stuff I get behind mm-hmm. where it's like, that was Dexter. That's really why I couldn't me. get into Dexter. Cause it was very much just like, yeah, he kills people, but he kills the bad people. So it's okay. <laughs> like, no, he's a monster. <laughs> it's what, uh, really sold me on breaking bad. Oh yeah. I was like, yep. I was so, so on it. And then I trying to remember what, Oh, it's when he, the, that chick vomits and he doesn't roll her over and just lets her choke to death on her vomit. And I was like, yep. Oh my God. <laughs> He killed the hot goth chick. Yeah. He killed Jessica Jones. <laughs> we had uh, we have a Midwest Monster Fest here every September, mm. and when that movie came out, since you know Scott Beck and Brian Woods live lived here, and uh, Justin was in it, and he lives here, they ended up getting most of the cast, uh, the killers, to come to the event. Mm-hmm. So we got to hang out with with those guys and. I was honest to God so upset that I didn't watch the movie before getting to meet them because I watched the whole time. I was like, God, I wish I'd seen this so I could have told them, you know, I thought such and such was cool. Mm-hmm. All that missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, 
again, another one of those movies that's so good, hard to talk about, but I don't know, man. Like it, like it, this is definitely a movie I do plan to watch a lot more now. This may be on like at least a yearly rotation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That... It's one I could watch during the day because it, it is really toned down though. Mm-hmm. Like outside of uh, the hobbling scene, but that's, <laughs> that's been shown on TV so many mm-hmm. times. I think outside of where the actual foot flies. Yeah. that That's about it. So yeah. I, you just don't, see much in the movie that's actually gory even the shooting of the sheriff was pretty tame yeah i mean i do love that moment though after she shoots the sheriff and he falls down and then she just parks his wheelchair and then walks away because she knows he can move (laughs) so dark i love it so much Yeah, I mean, they they take out the scene of her like running the other cop over with the lawnmower so yeah Oh man, Christ! (laughs) Jonathan, they shot that too. Oh, did they? Yeah, they sure did. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, me too. Uh, Reiner took it out because he was afraid it was going to be too funny. (laughs) It is pretty funny. It is pretty funny, (laughs) but it's it's very severe. But uh, yeah, and and, you know, Stephen King is as he is wont to do says that this story is about his addictions. Oh yeah, and oh, well, sorry. Go ahead. And, and how uh, they he feels prisoner to them, and how they hobble him, and whatnot. So what like, I referenced, uh, or I talked about it a little bit earlier. The uh, the pain medication is a fully different plot line. Mm-hmm. Where this, he's hoarding it to put her to sleep and kill her. In the book, he it's a, it, almost the very beginning. It's very, very early on that he's like, I realized a handful of things here. One of them is that I am brutally addicted to novels. <laughs> and so it is, there's a, you get a lot of the like drug addiction um, allegory, basically. Like mm-hmm. uh, in the scene when she says, I can't be around for a while and leaves, you know, now place... Right. James Kahn, as though he were addicted to pain meds, he wasn't going to be getting for however many days she's gone. Right. It's that that horrifying trapped in your own body. And there's um, a really, I know this has turned into me just talking about the book, um, but a uh, something he uses as he describes the pain, which what's great about watching a movie like this after reading the book is because so much of it is in Paul's head. So you can watch James Kahn put on these sections of the book that you read. That's no words, but you just, you see that he gets it mm-hmm. and it's so, so good. Um, but in, he's talking about how he describes the pain and he has this memory of going to a beach and the tide changing. And there was this outcropping of rocks. And as the tide came in, the water would, you know, bury that stone pillar but it was still there it was always there you just couldn't see it but then the tide would go out and that was how he kind of used that as the metaphor for his pain and that also feeding into the addiction and it's just it's a beautiful exploration of addiction right yeah and also uh stephen king just pretty much uh, and with this film to pretty much draw a 
pretty accurate picture of obsessive fan culture. Yes. Absolutely. Just horrifying. I do want to read a misery book, though. I do, too. You know, like, it seems... In, in, the, in the book, you get several chapters of it, Jonathan. Really? So you'll get to read some misery. So, like... And uh, it's trashy, but it's, like, kind of interesting. <laughs> so headcanon, where I basically, again, not reading the book... All I see is the covers, which are very like <laughs> mm-hmm. the Harlequin romance novel covers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but Hell then as yeah. she starts describing stuff, I'm getting things like, what if Sookie's stack house was in Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> yes! A hundred percent. I was telling Jonathan when we were, uh, we were off that um, I'm trading books with my wife and my wife is reading Stephen King. She just read misery and watched the movie with me for this. Okay. And I, in exchange am reading the Sookie Stackhouse books. Oh, okay. Okay. So I just finished uh club dead. So I'm, I'm a few books. I'm on like book five. Nice. But yes, as I read it, the, it's like, Oh, this is supernatural misery. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and I, I will admit, I enjoy kind of like, inserting stories into things like what if this so like mm-hmm. he kills off misery in the book and i believe i i in this just memory i can't remember how she dies but it sounds like it was like in childbirth or something like that yeah so yeah. i immediately started writing in my head her resurrection and it wasn't like being buried alive it was her taking a breath days later after realizing that <laughs> she had died and then just like yeah i just <laughs> <laughs> i love it or, uh, or at it, least she goes or wakes up from a coma years later and her child is like <laughs> an adult at this point like that's where i would have gone so i i just i enjoy doing weird things like that so that scene and God, man, you're, I really think you're going to like the book if this is the shit you're into, because in the book, they, uh, the reason the scene when she says like, that's a cheat and talks about the rocket man short and all that. And it, you know, you, you can't pull a cheat and it's in the book. You, when you're reading it, it's because, uh, he, the rewrite was that she didn't die and it was just a horrible. What if scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and when he's trying to rewrite it, he, he's like, how we like I the the book ends with them burying her like. Yeah. So he was like that. That's the point I have to write from is she's dead and buried. And it like almost pushes him over the edge before the new idea comes and really saves the day. Yeah. Uh, so, man, you'll you'll get all of that from the book. All right. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's I think that's something I'm going to do. As soon as I uh, finish listening to the King Killer Chronicles for the 12th. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys had something planned for this, but I have a pitch. Ooh. Okay, go for it. I would like to pull up all of the main Oscars for this year and go down the list of who what won what and decide if Misery should have won over that thing. Uh, well, I, I got you covered there. Oh, hell yeah. Maybe Jonathan does. What's going on? Well, why don't we get into our uh, worsty judgments then? So, uh, so Josh, let me ask you a question here. Yeah. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? Yeah. 
Yeah, it does. Okay. It well, sure does. What's it up against there, Paul? Okay, so our I I, I need to bring the zoom back up so I can see huh. Josh Josh's. I face can tell you because I, I watched it today. Okay, so so you know what won? Yes. Which is Dances with Wolves. Yes. Uh, it is also up against Awakenings with uh, Robert De Niro and Robin Williams. The Godfather Part 3. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Goodfellas. Oh, no. And the highest grossing film of 1990. I want to reiterate this because we went on a tangent about it during the episode. Ghost. Oh, no. <laughs> God, what a good year for movies. Fucking A. That's a rock solid year for movies. That is that is a solid lineup and dances with Wolves. What? <laughs> that is a good lineup and where Godfather should have been replaced at least by Misery. It yeah, it deserved it deserved a nom, I feel like. I I agree. Yeah. The it, the uh man, I, I will say Dances Wolves was not my favorite thing I've watched for three hours. <laughs> but man, you, you the one thing you can't argue is it changed the landscape of westerns and representation. In such a major way, yeah. But I mean, half that half that movie is in Lakota and with subtitles, and that just that was not how it was done. Though, yeah, no, you were correct. Though, um, apparently, they didn't consult anybody on the Lakota speech because a lot of the um, apparently a lot of Lakota has very gendered words. Oh, really? You, you know, kind of like when you speak oh, Spanish. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. You speak Spanish mm-hmm. and you put A at the end of uh, yes. feminine words and you put O at the end of uh, masculine words. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, that's that's the same thing with the Lakota language. And it made a lot of Lakota people laugh because they were just... Oh, that's amazing. ...interchanging words and just... nobody was paying attention. <laughs> so it was even more progressive, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because they they weren't beholden to the binary nature. There you go. It was a gender ambiguous God, what language. a groundbreaking movie. <laughs> it deserves best movie ever now. Yeah, and I'll say it is it is quite the white savior narrative. It's one of those for the mm-hmm. time for yes. the time it was it was groundbreaking. But right, and it was really nice because what I was very worried about was. Uh, John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Yeah, that's like what most. I, yeah, I was very, very concerned once I understood what this movie was going to be about because I went in also having no idea what Dances with Wolves was about. Uh, Avatar. Yes, it's, Pocahontas. It's, yes. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I was I was very concerned about that, but I'm really glad. I was very pleasantly surprised um, with yeah, like with representation. Sure. Yeah. And it's and it's one of those representation things where it is a good step forward, but if somebody mm-hmm. comes to me as like, hey, this is bad, yeah, you're also right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm if I have three hours to spare, I'm not gonna watch this again, but yeah. <laughs> I, it was worth watching it. All right. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you. 
yes, this movie does deserve Best Picture. Oh, it deserved a nomination at the very least. Mm-hmm. Goodfellas, I think, beats out everything that year for me. Goodfellas is so good. So good. And I'm gonna watch if I have three hours, I'm gonna watch Goodfellas. Yeah, so fucking good. And and again, Ghost is pretty much a perfect film, also. <laughs> yeah, Ghost, it's so wonderful. Like, ask me that as a teenager, and I'll tell you, ew, gross. <laughs> Have you seen but, the stage adaptation? It's great. No. It's a no, but I want to. I, so good. I, I kick myself every day going, how did I not realize that Ghost was just a badass, almost sci-fi film that just happened to have a sexy clay scene? Like, that's that's really all that it had. Everything else was just a great movie. And um, it was that clay scene was horny enough for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, nobody that missed out on that. Yeah, that movie's horny as fuck. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, putting misery above those is 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 a tough call. But if it would have won, I would not have been upset by it. So hearing hearing that lineup, I would have been shocked. But I wouldn't yeah. have been. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I, I cannot be on your show without derailing everything you do. I am so sorry. Do it. Do it. I'm a please, terrible please. guest, Jonathan. Yes. Did you know that there was a stage version of the of Misery that was put on Broadway? I feel like I've heard that in passing at one point. I Do hope it have... was a musical. No. Damn it. It was a, it was no. a, it's a stage play. <laughs> I have the script. Nice. Uh, would you like to just take a wild guess at who played uh Paul Sheldon and Annie Wilkes? Can you give me a year? Um I'm so awful with years, to be honest. Um, it nineties. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, the uh, two people, one is a star from the nineties and one was mm. on TV in the nineties. I, I know the answer to this. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Thank God. You'll know the name of the girl. Cause I just know the character. I, I can't think of anybody. And so I'm going to kick myself and go. That's Paul probably. Sheldon was played by Bruce Willis. Of course. <laughs> Annie Wilkes was Lori Metcalf. Boom. Really? Aunt Jackie. <laughs> no, Oscar nominee Lori Metcalf. Wow. You can yeah. Google it and you can see like stills from it and stuff. It's and so it's perfect. They, it's they, so they, perfect. They tried to cast Julia Roberts and Stephen King was like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. She's supposed to be like a force of nature. Julia Roberts is too wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Eh, I, oh man, that, 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 I try to think if they were to remake this movie, who could they do? Good question. Cause mm-hmm. again, you want somebody with that Midwest look for Annie. Like you want, and I know, I know exactly what Hollywood would do because they would try to Melissa McCarthy it. Because she, I think it's it's yeah. in it's in her range. Give her the give her the director, which ah, I think is her husband. But no, Ben Falcone can be nowhere near this. Put oh, is Paul, it the other way? Put Paul Feig on it. Okay. Who did you see a simple favor? I did not. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shit, so Paul, that movie was good. Paul Feig, who directed Bridesmaids and Spy, knows how mm-hmm. to use Melissa McCarthy really well as an actress. 
He also directed a thriller with with a little bit of comedic tinge with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively called A Simple Favor, hmm. where Blake Lively really just kind of disappears. And it's, it's really good. So hmm. I think if you get Paul Feig to have Melissa McCarthy play this role, she's – and also see her in uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? She's hmm. – She's an amazing dramatic actress. I think Ooh, yeah. she, could, um, she could carry this really well. Not White Lotus. What was the other thing that came out like right around the time that it was on Hulu? It was basically the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Most McCarthy is in that, and it's Nine fully Perfect dramatic. Nine Strangers or whatever. Yeah, something like that. And it was she was fucking phenomenal. I, I, I know she I has the potential. It. I've seen good things with her, like you I, said, but I in Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean, though, about not not Melissa McCarthy specifically, but Melissa McCarthying yeah. the character like right. that, making making Annie Wilkes uh, a, a a tropey character instead yeah. of a yeah, complex cause, character. Because in Castle Rock season two, Lizzie Kaplan plays her, mm-hmm. and she's good. Yeah, but she kills a man with an ice cream scoop. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's that's pretty wonderful. Um, but yeah, uh, I. I'd really like to see Melissa McCarthy do this now. <laughs> that would be really interesting. I'd love to see her do it on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and give her, uh, give her uh, Chris O'Dowd from the IT crowd as her as her Paul. Holy children. shit! Wow, that's a fun cast right there. Shit, let's make some calls. Yeah, let's yes. get her done. Yep. Make, make it happen. And and Tom Waits can play the uh, the sheriff. Yes. <laughs> Just because I want Tom Wade some more. <laughs> All right. And uh, Paul, yes. uh, I believe the question's on you. Does this movie deserve best picture? Um, I think this ends up in my top 10 for the year. So that that is a an automatic yes for me. If it's in my top 20, it, it, it lands. Uh, but of course, uh, my favorite film of 1990 is the film that got Stephen Sondheim his Oscar. Also with Kathy Bates. Also with Kathy Bates. <laughs> she played Mrs. Green. That's an incredible film, and I just wanted to talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, uh, is this the worst best picture? God, no. No. That's not is, the best picture. Is this, <laughs> is this the worst horror movie? Oh, no, 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 no. What is yours? My worst horror movie. What a terrific question. There's so many. It's a tough question. We talked about um, this last week because bad horror movies are great. Grizzly Park. Grizzly Park is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, the killer's a bear and that fucking rules. That so let's rule. get that. Let's get at, that out of the gate. Bear killing people, fucking amazing! It's I believe it's worth the price of admission to watch it because of it. I believe I've uh, made it's a the, promise. It's to the Paul reason I own the die. movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, what makes this movie great and terrible at the same time is after watching it, I watched the commentary or not the commentary. I watched the featurettes and the special features, and there's an interview with the director, and the director man. He's like, this movie is so deep. And he starts like going into like the layers <laughs> and like he believes it. And it's like, it's just, 
it does um, it doesn't work and it's so amazing to know that like as i watch it being like the director thinks this is just people this is going to change lives i love that his name is uh, tom skull <laughs> <laughs> josh are you trying to say that the uh the director's thoughts on his own movie were unbearable <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I like how the Wikipedia has Brody the Bear in there as the Kadopcast. It's just a bear. Da bear. Da bear. Um I'm also gonna be with you here, Josh. This is definitely not the worst best picture, not even near the worst horror best picture. I keep mentioning Carrie too. <laughs> Gary oh, too is the it does have a harpoon gun through testicles and that's pretty great it, it, it had me uh, worried about CDs for a while <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah Paul is this worst best picture oh absolutely not uh, I think this sneaks into my top 30 somewhere if, if I were to rank it yeah um, absolutely and uh, I believe the Amityville horror remake exists. That is awful. That is so bad. It is unwatchable. Ooh, Firestarter remake is the worst thing. Oh, it's in the so world. bad. I, oh, it's so bad. It, it fundamentally misunderstands an entire character arc. Yeah, it, it's it's bad. It un, it doesn't understand what the book's about. No, no, that's my new not. answer. That's my new answer for worst horror movie. God, that Firestarter remake made me want to burn myself down. Would would that uh would that also rank on your least favorite King adaptation? Uh it's it is my least favorite. It's gotta be now. Wow. Except god damn, Zach Efron was really good in it though. He was. He actually he fucking was. he carried I, it. Is anybody else bothered by the back. fact that Zach Efron's as good as he is? No, because I love I, it. I'm oh, that's right. You love high school, school musical, musical movies. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've been telling people this since those movies came out. So my, my love of the Disney channel keeps me, <laughs> keeps me looking at the stars of the future that every, that in 10 years, everyone's going to be like, where did this person come from? And I'm like, Disney channel. <laughs> <laughs> been, been watching it for 10 years. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that's where we are going to end it here tonight. Josh Gunn, thank you very much for being here with us, man. Yes, thank is, you. Thank you so much for having me back, guys. It's nice, again, to prove that I do actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are we looking to plug here today, sir? Uh, follow us on social media. Search Dairy Public Radio at Dairy Public on Twitter. Uh, find us. Uh, we're streaming in October. On October 22nd, we are doing a live stream pumpkin carving. Ooh. So me, Ben, and Sam are going to be on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Dairy Public Radio. Oh, Ben's joining uh, here. Yay. Yeah, come. come. Yeah, he's he has the night free, so he's going to join us. And we're going to carve pumpkins live and talk horror in the chat and just have a real good time. We do it every year, and it's a, a ton and ton of fun. So I know I watched you guys play uh, Silent Hill two the other day yeah we're gonna yeah. be finishing that uh tomorrow on oh, friday nice. okay so the moment will have passed by the time you hear this but yes i'm sure more will still be playing <laughs> you can watch the the video on demand on our twitch there you go there all right well thanks again for joining us here man we definitely like Thank having you. you here Thank and you. of course you can find me on the twitter the tw- 
Twitch and the TikTok. I almost put Twitch talk. That'd have been there, <laughs> there you go. At Altorn underscore Occam. Paul, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter and Letterboxd, where I'm keeping a running tally of all the films that I watch. I haven't really watched anything new recently because my new job is a lot. Um, and uh, you can follow me and Joseph Tapia at Shark Dressed Men on TikTok, where we're covering <laughs> shark related content. <laughs> I almost texted I love you today. I fucking love that name so much. Have have you have you seen any of the TikToks yet? Because they're ridiculous. I but I'm going. I to love now. them. Oh my! You have, oh my god! They're so great. I I legit follow it now. Almost messaged Paul today after the one that I saw this morning. Is the, it the one where I died? The R.I.P. Paul. <laughs> Jesus. I, I I died in the TikTok today. It was pretty awesome. Oh my god! I'm also, so excited about this. Also had cameos for my children. I'm your hundred second was great. follower. I loved it. <laughs> You're 100 seconds. Oh, we got another one. Nice. We had 100 earlier, so sweet. Nice. Congrats. Yes. uh, Follow us. (laughs) We love sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Jonathan, what are we watching next week? Um, Next week, we're watching insert movie here, if guest. (laughs) Yes. Potentially a couple of things, uh, either Event Horizon or whatever potential guest will be with us. I'm going to watch me, and he said maybe. Uh, He said he asked me for dates, so we'll we'll get there. We'll chat. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. At the very least, I'm going to watch (laughs) Event Horizon. I think you should. It is Paul W. S. Anderson's best movie. So good. Fair enough. So yeah. All right. So we would like to thank Trav. From our sister podcast, Loving Up Vengeance Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan J. Pelfew for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscars the Pod, not Facebook at the Oscars the Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. The cockadoody algorithm. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> So, for Josh Kahn, Jonathan Pierce, and the great Barry Sonnenfeld, of course, who directed the Adams Family movies, who was the DP on this film, (laughs) we would like for you all to have a damn fine day.